among mine was that great nonsense word of the Scottish language, anyhow. She was always chiding me about it when I was a kid. She was afraid that my sister Ellie and I would grow up with impenetrable East Nuke accents and took great pains to ensure that we didn't. Shoddy language was not allowed, period. However, that's not to say it didn't happen. In those long conversations with her, sooner or later, I would fall from grace. It usually happened when I'd run out of things to say but wasn't ready for cheerio. There'd be a silence, which, once I'd worked out what to say next, I would break with a deep breath and an... Anyhow. When I did, she would give that incredibly warm chuckle of hers and say, Oz, if we're down to any house, it's time you got on with your life. And that would be that, for another couple of days. For all the crazy stuff that's happened to me over the last five years since I stumbled into acting, I like to think I've kept my feet on the ground, and my boots, or shoes more often these days, still fit me. It would be easy to believe my press cuttings, The favourable ones, that is. I never have any trouble accepting the bad and getting altogether too pleased with myself. While I might get a bit showbiz from time to time, it never gets out of hand for one simple reason. My mum's always around when it happens. She's my safety valve. She comes into my mind with a gentle smile and a shake of her head to bring me back to being the boy she brought up and to make sure that I'm not getting too big for my footwear. Okay, after some of the things I've told you, you may say that if she's been good for my ego, there's another side of me she's ignored. That's not true, because not even she knew all of me, and everything of which I've shown myself capable from time to time. But mothers are love, and love is blind. Anyhow, as I was saying, every morning I waken, I look at Susie lying there beside me. I always surface before she does when I'm not jet-lagged, now that we Jonathan no longer requires to be plugged into the mains at some ungodly hour. And I pinch myself. No kidding. I really do give myself a nip, just to make sure that I'm still alive and not observing all this through a celestial telescope. In the last few years, I've come to think of myself as the luckiest man on the planet. And now I reckon I must be one of the happiest as well. Sure, there are dark memories. For a start, there was my mother's death, and then the loss of Jan, my soulmate from childhood, my first wife. There was all that bad stuff with Primavera Phillips, who beguiled me for a while, and with whom I shared one of the shortest marriages on record, before she pissed off with a B-list actor. And then, as you know, about 18 months back, there was another local difficulty, when someone took it into his head to attack Susie's construction business, the Gantry Group. Those things all happened, there's no hiding from them. But they're all in their wee, mental boxes, some with extra heavy padlocks so they don't break out. And they don't stop me enjoying the incredibly good and incredibly large fortune that's come my way. 
It was after we got back from Australia that the small cloud edged its way over the horizon. I'd been out there working on another project for Miles Grayson, my friend and former brother-in-law, and I had taken Susie, wee Janet and wee Jonathan with me. We were there making a movie called Red Leather, about England's Aussie cricket tour in 1932-1933, the Bodyline series, in which the English captain, Douglas R. Jardine, me, came up with an innovative, if homicidal, way of beating the Aussies, who were inspired at that time by the legendary Don Bradman, Miles. If you don't know anything about cricket, take some time to look at Bradman's record and then compare him with anyone else who ever picked up a bat. All of the rest, even the greatest of them, pale into insignificance alongside him. That's how good he was.